0: Now, here is your host. What's up, everybody? Managing Director of Kapow Noodle Bar, Dugan & Dame in Boca Raton, Florida. Vaughn, thanks
1: for being on. Thanks for having me, Jensen. Good to be here. Yeah,
0: so if the Dugan last name sounds familiar. Angela (laughs) Dugan has been on multiple times talking about Dugan & Dame, and we'll get into that a little bit, as well as when we had the uh, crew, Conley from Dano's Tequila on, talking about the... um, charity events that they were doing, kind of the virtual bartending and Angela was part of that. So I'm so happy that we got Angela on a couple of times. Now, Vaughn, the Dugan family is well represented. All right, Vaughn, tell us exactly kind of your budding little empire there. You got a couple of multi units going. We're working on the food hall. We're working on you know bringing these different tinctures and syrups and things like that through Dugan and Dame. So talk about your brand, your company, what you guys are all about.
1: So primarily, you know, my, my day-to-day activity consists of uh, kind of a baby that was born about nine and a half years ago with my partners, Scott Freilich and Rodney Mayo. It's Kapow Noodle Bar. Uh, we've got two locations right now, in South Florida, one in Boca Raton and one in West Palm Beach. Um, like many of us, we've had big plans and dreams to expand that. We still will be looking to expand that uh, fairly soon, but those plans are paused temporarily due to COVID, but we'll be back uh, expanding soon. Um, As you'd mentioned, my wife and I, who was on the show, so you're lucky you had the far more intelligent and far more attractive Dugan on the show first.
0: Right. Um, We had to get the uh, acknowledgement from her to get down to you. I I get it.
1: Yeah. So uh, she's actually the star of the show here in the Dugan household. But um, uh, We have Dugan and Dame, which is a line of cocktail accoutrements, if you will, everything from tonics, bitters, rims, spices, all kinds of fun stuff that we're working on. Um, and then uh, a myriad of other projects that I'm working on with with friends and other cohorts in the industry. Dig
0: it, all right. So we're gonna talk a little bit about, again, you, you're going multi-unit, you're bringing your brand into CP, CPG, mm-hmm. consumer packaged goods, I'm very fascinated in that. So we'll yep. get into all that. Let's take people back though, your backstory a little bit. When did you first catch the hospitality food and beverage bug? When did this start for you? When did you get your ass into this crazy industry?
1: So, like a lot, like a lot of us, my first job was in the industry. I was a dishwasher at 13 years old. Uh, my parents were going through divorce at the time, uh, yeah. so that was my first job. Um, I got I got fired because I was too young to actually work there. They found out that the legal age in Rhode Island at the time, I think, was 13 and a half. Um, so I got fired from my. You my was younger
0: family. than 13 and a half, trying to work as a dishwasher in a restaurant.
1: Yeah, I tried. It was a family restaurant, local, oh, like friends of the family, and I started young. Uh, my family's been in and around the hospitality industry my whole life. My dad owned a, a bar in Newport, Rhode Island as well. Um, I think for me, it really started when I moved to Florida to go to college. I was um, primarily more in the nightclub side of things. I was a nightclub promoter, was heavily involved. That turned into a printing and design uh, business uh, back in the 90s, um, which dealt primarily and solely actually in the hospitality space, so nightclubs, hotels, restaurants, et cetera. Um, in 2006, I started a, a fast casual concept called pizza fusion, uh, organic pizza started with one unit, 800 square feet in Deerfield beach, Florida, and grew that to about 50 units in 13 States and three countries, uh, over wow. about 10 years. Wow.
0: All right. I want to take people even back again to what you just yeah. said, So clearly you're a serial entrepreneur. Like it's, Unfor- in your DNA. yeah, you can't, you can't help yourself. You know, it'd be nice if you're smart enough clearly to get a real job, yet you're just in this industry. So the first job, you're 12, right? What 13, was it? Yeah. you're like 13, like I gotta make money. What was, what was the hustle? Your dad's like, get the hell out of the house. Like what was the deal?
1: So it was funny, I'll tell you one more story that my mom actually told me one time I wasn't aware of. So I was probably also between 10 and 12 at some point. Neighbor knocks on the door, tells, me, uh, tells my mom, she's like, is your son the kid that's mowing lawns next door. And my mom of course do was it. like, oh great, what did what did he do? Um, so he's like, no, I think your son's gonna be fine. He's got a team of about four different crews out there cutting everybody's grass. So I, I kind of got started really early on. I didn't have the Gary V lemonade stand thing going on but I had everyone cutting grass.
0: Uh, did you sell people's flowers back to them like Gary V did? <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, I
0: wasn't that ruthless, yeah. That's so funny. I I, I asked that question because I knew it was something like that. I like yep. that you went very straight laced. Me, I have lots of stories of- uh, I got some uh, of those too, but we'll leave those yeah, for not, not quite legal ways that I was looking to hustle and make money. Anyway, that's a whole different story. But it's clearly, it started at a young age. You just had that drive. And yep. so it means that you've created a lot of businesses. And like the two of us, we've failed epically so much more often. I mean, you yeah, know. most of
1: them. Yeah, I failed at most of them.
0: Most of them. But that, too, let's stay with Gary Vee, it's micro failures, right? On the macro, you're learning and you're accelerating your skills, your knowledge, your connections, and your understanding of the industry because you're in it. So yeah, absolutely, I, I'm very, very fascinated with that. All right, let's take people forward now to the brands themselves. How did now this group start? What was the first restaurant? Give us a little bit of the timeline of was it Kapow? How did that start?
1: So actually, like uh, to take it back, Subculture Restaurant Group was founded by my partner, Rodney Mayo uh, and Scott Freilich over 30 years ago in West Palm Beach. Started with a small nightclub lounge up in West Palm Beach. And the the cool story behind that, it's called Respectable Street Cafe. Um, At the time, West Palm Beach was kind of uh, a little bit a little bit on the seedy side of the tracks, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, He envisioned that at one point in time that downtown West Palm Beach would be a respectable street. So uh, you know that was kind of the birth of the the subculture empire that consists of about 14 different units right now. Everything from nightclubs to Irish pubs, to coffee shops, um, to obviously Asian noodle bars. Uh, These are guys that I've worked with for a long time when I was in my printing world uh, and printing life. I was, uh, they were one of my clients. I was designing club flyers for them, throwing parties for them. I was a DJ uh, back in the day as well working at some of their venues. So, you know, these are guys that I established a friendship with um, quite early on in my career down here in Florida. Um, And I just loved what they were doing. I loved how they treated their their employees. I loved, you know, they're always doing philanthropic stuff, trying to raise money for the community. And that was aligned with not only my core values, but what I was doing with Pizza Fusion as well. So Pizza Fusion kind of got a little like, a little more on the corporate side. It got real structured. Um, As we started expanding, they were structured as well, but with a much more mom and pop feel, which I loved. So Scott and I would always joke around like he wanted to be in a more structured environment. I wanted to let my hair down, even though I don't have any and uh, get out there and kind of like be more creative in that looser mom and pop environment. So when the opportunity arose to kind of leave Pizza Fusion, I immediately called Scott and I was like, I got five bucks and I'm ready to work. So let's do something together.
0: Let's go. All right, a couple of things I want to unpack. This yep. is really good. So, the culture side and then scaling something that still feels on brand with having culture with yep. not being so quote-unquote corporate but still structured so you actually have the ability to scale. So those two things. Let's start with the culture side. Investing in people is something we talk about a lot. We talk yep. about, I mean, this whole show is built on acknowledging and supporting unsung hospitality heroes. That's yep. what I'm looking for, right? So the culture, when you think about that, when you are defining your ethos, when you are translating that message through ownership, leadership, line level, customers, the whole ecosystem of that, give us give us the uh, two minute version of people. Why, so, why is human capital so important to you?
1: I think it's probably the quintessential component to success in this industry because not mm-hmm. only What's that? Yeah. So not only, not only is it success, uh, on our side of the business, but if you're not taking care of the people on the other side of the table, just don't go, don't go into business. Um, that's why we're in this business. So it, when I started pizza fusion, like I think the human component of this was why we started pizza fusion. A, it was an organic concept. Uh, we considered every single component of when the customer placed the order, uh, to the time like pizzas were delivered to your door. We always talked about how we can lessen the impact. We were a big environmental brand in the beginning, big on sustainability. We were one of the early adopters of, you know, we were, we were doing the whole, I hate saying the straw thing, but we were doing no straws um, back in 2006. Um, and that's not, it's not to take credit, but it's like that was like really what Pizza Fusion was kind of built on was that DNA just to take care of your people, take care of your community, um, and obviously take care of your work environment too, you know, for everything from the ingredients you put in your food to, you know, the equipment around you, there was a way to make an impact along the way, but the people, the people component is probably the number one factor. So any, any specific like successes or challenges or
0: failures that you kind of faced when you were trying to scale in Pizza Fusion mm-hmm. and how you're looking at your scaling now that yeah. you just got disconnected from the people. Cause it's hugely challenging when you don't, get to interact with them when you, as the ambassador of your brand, of that ethos, get further and further away from the people who are actually implementing it? Talk, give us a little bit of that. Anything specific sure. you recall?
1: Yeah, so that's a great uh, great question and something to, I think is important for people trying to expand. You know, We grew Pizza Fusion, we were really young, we were excited and it grew so fast, it kind of sure. grew out of our control. Right. Um, exactly. So I think one of the things that we did poorly then, um, which we would, which in hindsight it would do better now. And I think we do a much better job now is like, it's focusing on the team. So it's it's taking a much longer time hiring, finding the right people. I'd rather close down a session of the restaurant than throw somebody into the, into the fire. Um, you know, it, it's so important to hire the right people and work with people that are truly aligned with everything that you're doing. Um, if they're not buying into everything, they're probably tearing it down, so.
0: Yes. how. How the hell do you do that? That is such a difficult thing. It's easy to say that, right? And and I'm guessing from the, the tenor and tone of how you're talking about Pizza Fusion, like you ran into some of those challenges and then you were too big to kind of go back to the nucleus that was at the beginning and then it kind of gets away from you. So how do you actually do that? What are some practical steps you're taking now from that learning that you had kind of scaling to 50, maybe too fast?
1: Yeah. So I think for these days, technology helps a lot. I mean, we're here right. on a call together. We're sitting in the same room with one another um, and, and that it's helps
0: the new face know. to face.
1: Yep, that's right. Um, and we, we can communicate. Uh, people understand my passion, my wife's passion. Uh, we're at all of the meetings, you know, prime, you know, for the most part, we're there. They hear it from us. Um, my partners are very involved. We're very hands on. Obviously, when we have 50 units at heart. It's harder to be hands on like that. Um, but I think if you're building structure and you're building all your SOPs and your uh, things like that, um, that can be enforced and followed, I think technology is the easiest way for us to do that now. Um, so we've implemented quite a bit of technology from uh, hiring, onboarding, uh, day-to-day checklists, all that stuff can be done. And uh, you know we can log in and look at those things from uh, an easy to follow dashboard. Um, it doesn't replace the human component. Um, yeah. But you know, it really helps us uh, mitigate a lot of that stuff.
0: Any specific software, services, products that you're utilizing that you'd uh, co-sign?
1: Yeah, so I mean, two things that we're really excited that we've made big changes in the past year or two within the Subculture Restaurant Group, we've uh, moved the entire organization over to Toast uh, from a okay. POS provider. Um, it's easy to use, it integrates with everything. Um, it's been painless. And having gone through multiple heartaches and painful relationships through Pizza Fusion, Um, I think I probably ran through 10 different POS providers through my pizza fusion days. It really comes down to people again. It's like support. Like someone going to answer my call. Is there someone that's going to call me back? Um, They've been great with us. The other one is Harry, Uh, harry harry.com. We use them for more of our human resources. So everything from hiring to scheduling, budgeting, um, it's allowed us to uh, run our business better. Um, Onboarding, offboarding, training. Um, it's really helped us out a lot. And again, to your point, that's an easier, it it helps us expand. Um, we can manage a a greater number of people using technology like Harry and toast.
0: You, you mentioned offboarding, something I'm super fascinated in because we're so quick to burn so many bridges in this industry. It is like on both sides of the equation. We say, well, people just no call, no show. Yeah, but for 10 straight employees, they gave you two weeks notice and you fired them on the spot. So why would people no call no show? On the reverse of it, right? Yep. who's responsible for that interaction? I'm fascinated in that. Offboarding. Talk about the importance of getting some feedback at the end of somebody's tenure, whatever the circumstances of that are, and how are you going about that?
1: So that's a, a wonderful point. We, we learn more about what we did wrong, uh, I think, in any, any business. Uh, it's always good to get feedback on what we could have done better. Uh, my wife just she's very involved with the training piece. She used to work for Disney back in the day, so with pizza, uh, with Capao, uh, she's heavily involved with the training and kind of the culture of the the staff. So we've recently run into uh, run some uh, some contracts. So we have kind of like a, a contract with the with the staff. Um, we sit down with them, we discuss what we can do better as an organization. So we try and again we try and cut that off long before we have to offboard anybody. Yeah. So we wanna learn what we're doing poorly now and how we can improve upon it. We just uh, had a a nice conversation with our staff. We found out that we're communicating poorly. So that was something, we went back to the drawing board. We all sat down and like, wow, we have all this technology at our fingertips. We've got Facebook groups, we've got Instagram. You know, I can't believe we're communicating poorly. So again, I think what we did is we took the human element out of it. We relied solely on technology and that was frustrating to our staff. Um, So back to, that, I think it's really important. My wife, I'm a little bit quicker, admittedly, to kind of just cut, cut ties with people um, just because we're in such a fast paced world and especially now after COVID. Um, but my wife has a lot more empathy and I think she's teaching me to be a lot more empathetic to um, that process. Don't be so quick. Let people know they're on the chopping block. Tell them how they can improve. Um, and those are things that were never afforded me. You know, We were always just fired. Then again, yeah. I was probably four or five no call, no shows um but it would be nice to let someone you know have your mentor or your superior come down and say hey look you're a great person you do this this and this well um you're you're on the chopping block and here's why here's an opportunity to improve um no one has that conversation and i think it needs to happen more
0: i could not agree more technology i want to talk about technology a little bit more we in the industry are very quick to dismiss and potentially demonize technology and i want to, for everyone watching give you a little bit of background, maybe this makes sense to you or maybe you think I'm full of shit. Either way, I wanna tell you about technology. Technology, if it is an impediment to people's interaction, that's when I have an issue with it. But to your point, if you utilize it, it's a tool and can actually help empower and connect your team and. reduce friction. So I think that's a valuable thing to think about. Because we are so face-to-face, we joked about this being face-to-face, we're fueled by interaction. The micro interactions between a guest, between people shoulder to shoulder in the kitchen is kind of what fuels us. We're so used to, we're better at bad news than no news, right? And so these dynamics are at the crux of what we're talking about. Technology then we say, well, look at people, they're just like on their phones, on social media. I think about that. It's like somebody just came into your restaurant Posted a picture to 412, 3,000 friends co-signing your brand. Go say thank you and take a picture of them and like follow them on social media. Don't say, why are they on their phone not paying attention to me as I'm trying to tell them about this wine? right? Have you guys had to reconcile with that? Because maybe you and I are a little more old school, even 30 years back. Was it simple and easy for you? Talk about the transition to buying in. To technology as a connection point of people, not yeah. something that fragments them.
1: I, I think I might be a bad example only because my pr, you know, back when I got started in the hospitality industry, I was I was a graphic designer by trade. So I was heavily involved with got technology. It. I was always on my computer. So for me, it was a natural and organic kind of transition to move to technology. But to your point, though, I tell a lot of other operators, I was like, don't do it. If you aren't comfortable with it, mm. it's useless. It's gonna sit there just like just like that journal that you bought that you haven't used. I mean, if you're not used to journaling, don't buy technology if you're not used to technology. Um, uh, I think it's like, you know, what they say, excuse my language, like crap in, crap out. Um, If you don't want to take the time to invest your time into the technology, the technology is probably not something you want to invest your money in.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. And so do you then see this potentially being a generational conversation as individuals just have more savvy or are more comfortable. And then as the youth become more and more comfortable because it's, you know, you and I come from the time where we remember the right? When the internet first came out, my sons now who are six and three are weirded out when they're doing a phone call with their grandmother and they can't see them. They're like, what do you mean grandma can't see me? There's like, what would be the point of this arcane phone call, audio phone call? They're like, where's the video, right? So there is a generational gap. I don't want to create, we see it. We we point fingers kids these days, X, Y, and Z, and we talk about that all the time. Damn I want to know where is the transition point where we start to meld, where we come together. Do you see that playing out operationally anywhere in your business's day to day?
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. So you 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 touched on probably the primary one. You know, we people get annoyed with like everyone on their phones, but to your point, I don't have to spend money on marketing now. I've got I've got these these the younger generation coming in. To your point, co signing, and I love that term. I'm going to use that 50 times today now. Co signing off on, on our restaurant, which is like to get someone else to basically validate everything that you've done and put your money and hard work into to do it and share it with their friends and family. Like that's what you've always asked for. It's yes. just in a different way. Like back in the day, it was like, oh, if you can just tell five friends, like they're telling 5,000 friends. Um, yeah. You know, it's just on a, it's in a different medium. They're not making phone calls, they're not faxing anymore. Um, it, it is, I think it is what it is. I think we do have to accept that there's some change. I love it because again, like it's to the point now where if someone makes a reservation through a reservation system, if that's integrated with toast, it tells me how much that person spends on average. It also tells me, and this is something I learned from my, uh, my dear friend and future partner, danielle from oceans 234 down here in florida you know you can now also identify some of your guests favorite things like you know do they love a certain glass of wine and is it an, an anniversary date you know these are things that when they walk in the restaurant you can have their glass of wine waiting for them when they walk in or at least know that that's their favorite thing and now you're creating a customer experience and a customer journey that's beyond someone's expectations so you've already started off on the right foot all because of technology
0: Yeah. And the technology is the new grassroots word of mouth. So we're like, word of mouth. That's what I, because we talked about, you talked about not spending money on marketing. I also think that restaurants don't spend near enough money, energy, resources, effort on marketing. It may be dollars. It may be different channels, but the effort, the input, I think is undervalued. And so you used to spend that time trying to cultivate a relationship one-on-one with that person to have them hopefully tell their five friends, right? That was the model and then if they had a bad experience they'll, they'd tell 20 friends right so that math still plays out it's just much bigger math right yep. and so yep. that's what i think i want people to really take away from this is like you can utilize that technology to your benefit because it is word of mouth it's just different medium that we're not used to but for sure it's still word of mouth all right sure. kapow itself I wanted to spend a couple minutes on that. The concept itself. Give people a, uh, paint a picture for us. I walk into Kapow. What can I expect? What's the experience? High touch hospitality, fast casual. I give people a little bit of the uh, uh, the background to what that concept is all about.
1: Yeah. So we're we're an Asian fusion concept. Um, it's definitely high touch, but it's in a very casual environment. Yeah. Um, we always say that we want a five star experience, but we want you to be able to roll up your sleeves and have tattoos and and fit in, you know, we're really, really blessed with the delta between our youngest and our oldest clientele, uh, very diverse clientele base. We've got young 18 year olds slurping on ramen and we've got, you know, my mom and my, my stepdad are there regularly um, enjoying, enjoying you know, skirt steak lo mein. So we've got something for everybody, um, everything from an $8 glass of wine up to a bottle of Opus One or K-mis. Um, So we want to provide something for everybody, Peking duck, Five dollar plates, we've got it all. Um, wow, so
0: five dollar to hundred and fifty plus dollars dollar bottles of wine. Yep, yep, absolutely. I like it, and you, your brand is really strong. Like the message was very clear. So this is very interesting. Talk about that from a brand standpoint. So some I, people are either going going high or going low. How do you connect the dots between five dollars and one hundred fifty dollars and have that experience not feel forced?
1: Hmm, great question. Um going back to kind of the brand I got to give credit to my partner Joe he's my wife and I's partner with Dugan and Dame his background is also he comes from a uh, design background, background as well he's a brand, a big brand guy from a former agency life if you will um but he kind of helped us craft the Kapow brand again we wanted to be hip we wanted to be local um we wanted to be kind of your corner neighborhood bar but we also wanted to feel polished, uh, but not over polished. So everything that we do, like whether it's you know the toothpicks with the kapow box, yeah. um, the branded wine glasses, whatever it may be, you know, we just wanted it to feel like we were put together. Um, so that was very important to us to do so. Um, I don't know. You're, it's a really good question. I think part of it, I don't want to say it's luck. I think a lot of it has to do with how we establish the service model, the, the whole five star in a, a kind of Casual neighborhood bar environment. I think that's what allows us to touch the you know the eighteen year old and the sixty five year old um, without it feeling like you're leaving somebody out or you're pandering to one side of that. Um, everybody feels comfortable. We joke around. like come down any day and sit at the bar during happy hour. Unfortunately, not right now, but yeah. uh, sit at the bar at happy hour and you'd be surprised, you know, to see me with tattoos in my late forties sitting next to a 22 year old and you know, their friends Instagramming the whole experience. And then you've got, you know, my parents down at the end of the bar having a blast drinking wine, you know, probably the $150 bottle of wine, but.
0: Nice. So I get it. It's just on there for for your parents. That makes a ton of sense to me. I like that. Get mom and dad to help uh, drive revenue. Smart. But, but, smart we're,
1: but we're focused too. Like, I guess that one more thing I want to add is like, we're really, really focused on continuing um, a lot of outreach in terms of promotions. We're really, yeah. really, uh, we like to give back to our in the biz people. So we're, we have a strong in the biz program. Um, everything's half off every Monday, but any, uh, any night after 10 o'clock as well. Um, so it's when everyone gets off work, they come see us. We're sort of like their go-to, uh, after work spot. And we kind of took that idea from David Chang. He always said, you know, he wanted to be the chef's place to go after work. Yeah. Um, And we work. We're that place. We're kind of the neighborhood hospitality after work restaurant. All right.
0: Dugan and Dame. Yep. So CPG is something I've been screaming about for a long, long time. I even started a CPG company, consumer packaged goods. Right. I want to put stuff on retail shelves, basically, for anybody who doesn't know. I think it's one of the most important things that can be happening right now because the model itself, when it comes to brick and mortar, the margin game, real estate is so, so thin that the ability to be able to generate revenue and brand awareness outside of your four walls is mission critical. Absolutely. Clearly you're buying into that. So talk about the importance and then talk about specifically
1: how kind of you're going about scaling that brand. So like a, i guess it goes back to the whole entrepreneurial component like we didn't we didn't sit down one day and go i think today's the day we're going to create this whole you know consumer line of tonics and bitters it started with my wife running the program uh, the beverage program at kapow um, she was just passionate about quality so she was making all of the all of the tonics and syrups and bitters for the bar um and some of the serves, particularly the tonics uh resonated with a lot of our clientele so that was the day of course that i come home and i'm like i have an idea uh, <laughs> it's time to put a label on that that bottle and i reached out to joe i said joe you got to make a label i think we're onto something um and i think a lo- it was just one of those just natural progressions and um it started as a hobby like a lot of uh entrepreneurial of side hustles do and um you know, it's just you just start putting stuff together. I don't want to do a little product plug, but, you know, you started putting the brand together on your. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we get everything from bitters to, to tonics. You know, we make a tonic syrup um, and then it just grew into the local community. So a lot of our fellow hospitality uh, folks started buying into it. We started reaching out to a lot of the local restaurants. They started buying it, and bringing it in. And that's kind of that, oh, that you know what moment where you're like, oh crap, I, got, I think we gotta we gotta take this a little more serious. We're onto yep. something. Here we go. Um, we have a distributor now in South Florida, Florida Craft. They're distributing our products. Um, and again, a lot of this is new. So, so this was affected by COVID as well. I mean, we were really seeing a ton of momentum back in uh, Q1, January, February, coming out of the first of the year, we were doing really well, um, working on contracts with Total Wine and some of the larger uh, retail stores. And this hit, and obviously our core customer are restaurants and bars. So not only did we lose all of our our customers, we lost you know a lot of momentum with the relationships we were building. Um, but it, it, again, to to answer your question, uh, we're a lot more strategic now. It's something that we're taking seriously. Uh, it's a new space for me, so we're gonna probably reach out to some people in the industry that have done this uh, for a while. It's one of the reasons we went with our distributor. They've got a ton of uh, ton of experience, kind of building brands as well. So.
0: Well, look, you'll have momentum coming out of Sherry Ann Namer says, Amazing tonics. You have another cosign there. There we which go. Is super important. And then, oh, yeah, Eric Cacciatore, our buddy from uh, Restaurant South says, I know these guys. We know you. He's the best. And uh, Eric, if you haven't had Angela on, level up and get uh, get the other Dugan, the better half Dugan, you on are. your show as well, for sure. So. This is great, amazing. I love the way that you guys are thoughtfully scaling now. I think you have so much experience from having taken something from zero to 50. Don't sleep on that, people. That is unbelievable to get to that scale. The amount of concepts in the history of our country that have gotten to 50, it's not that many. And so I want people to be very aware. I love that you now have kind of a more holistic approach to it, thoughtful you're still a serial entrepreneur but you're keeping yourself at a measured pace which I really love as well so I appreciate that. any last thoughts before we let you go
1: no I just just to kind of to kind of go back for two seconds I mean I, I made so many mistakes with pizza fusion um, and that was my education I mean yeah. you know it was uh, it was tough it grew it grew too fast um, but I learned a lot I, I surrounded myself with some really good people uh, I was also very fortunate to sort of um, be taken under the wing by some seasoned industry people like Paul Barron, I'd mentioned earlier, um, guys like him and, and, you know, having a peer network is very important as well. And I recommend a lot of people do that. Um, so le- reach out to your fellow hospitality. They're not your competition. They're yeah. your mentors, your mentees. And I think like that's once we start adopting that mentality, it's amazing. Like what your business does when the guy next door is no longer your, your enemy.
0: That's a abundance mindset versus the scarcity mindset. We get so in the scarcity mindset. Uh, Last couple seconds, any of your cohorts you want to specifically give a shout out to that are part of that kind of mentor mentee network?
1: Yeah, I've got a couple. I mean, first and foremost, my partner, Scott Freilich, he's not only like my best friend. I mean, he's to go into business with somebody who shares your mindset, shares your kind of the end game with you. Um, makes doing business that much easier. It's, you know, we agree to disagree just like any partnership does, but we do it, you know, we do it knowing that like, look, this is business, man. We're coming out of this tomorrow. Uh, my buddy Rocco Mangel owns Rocco's Tacos, big regional brand in Florida and Brooklyn. Um, and he's someone I've, I watched from zero. He was a, a VIP host and a manager at a local restaurant, um, nightclub industry, to you know a wildly successful regional operation down here in Florida um, to be reckoned with, and then I think also I mean my wife i mean she is my best oh, man good job yeah no I mean I, and I, I i people that know her and know me know that that's that's authentic I mean like I owe her kind of everything from my patience, you know uh, she puts me in my place rather quickly, which is important um you know she, she's just a uh, she, She's a, just a good person to work with. I enjoy working with her and it's fun. So she's the dame, that's for sure.
0: That's it. <laughs> yeah. Von Dugan, really appreciate you. Von Dugan, managing director, Kapow Noodle Bar, and Dugan and Dame, subculture dining. You guys are, are doing some, some big stuff. I really appreciate you. And there's Angela. Oh, I love you, babe. You guys are so cute. Come on. This is ridiculous now. <laughs> I'm not a- blushing. <laughs> Adorable. I love it. Absolutely. So thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate you sharing with us a little bit. And I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about in the future.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it.
0: All right. Cheers. Have a great day. See you, brother. All right. So look into them. If you're in in South Florida, check them out for sure. Absolutely. If you are looking to get tonics delivered to you, I think what they're doing is really smart. Look back at Angela's episode. Check us out on Facebook. You can find Angela Dugan's episode. It was an episode of best served high hospitality and good health. So she's really focused on the herbal, botanical and nutritional side of it, as well as it being applicable to cocktails, zero proof, low proof, whatever that might be. So I think they're just, they're killing it. Super smart. So any, any takeaways for you? They're so cute. Oh my gosh. I knew you were going to say so that. I was he just kept on mentioning his wife and I was like, "Man, I should have put a ticker up for her because I was already with everyone else, but I wasn't ready with her." And he just I was like, "Man, this is appreciation." That's acknowledgment. That's the mm-hmm. game. The whole reason we're here is acknowledgment. It was great he got to mention I don't know six, seven, eight, nine people specifically that matters. They are part of your story. It's the whole premise of this show. I think it's super important to definitely have that. Uh, that ran long. One more. Give us one more, and then we'll let oh, everyone go for the day. Yeah, I liked we'll, we'll the reach uh, the reach out to people to find your mentors because they're not your competition. And you know, you were talking about the scarcity mindset. How we always feel like people in the industry around us are our competition, but we can learn so much more. It reminds me of. Uh, show that we have taped but have not actually shown
1: yet. Where it's you learn so much more from people around you than than like taking that experience away of work not working with them. You wouldn't
0: learn those things. Yeah, siphon superpowers and then everybody levels up. I think it's, right. I think it's something great. Bring some value into that ecosystem because something you're good at, somebody else may not be good at. They may be able to share something with you, and then you go. And then you know what? There is competition. Yet competition always breeds excellence as well. So you find that balancing act. And it's not like you're trying to like put down the other person, put down the other business. You're trying to level each other up because look, the reality is you're fighting a much bigger game. It's a bigger game of the, the entrepreneurial, the capitalist game, the market game, the, you know, big, huge money chain game, like all of that. So really appreciate that. All right, that's it for today. Thank you so much, Devon. Sophie, Angela, felt like you were a part of this episode as much as anybody else throughout this. And, uh, and definitely look up some of the people that they mentioned. If you're in the South Florida area, if you're in Brooklyn, and going to Rocco's Tacos, like know that people are out there to support you, to have a conversation with you, to kick you in the ass and point you in the right direction. That kind of camaraderie is the foundation. We need to show as much internal hospitality to ourselves and our cohorts as we do to our guests. That is how we have a roadmap to success. Appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.